Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Molly Pittman, and we're going to explore how to get your Facebook ads working in 2023. If you've been struggling trying to figure out how to get those ads to work, and even if you don't run ads, trust me, you are going to want to listen to this episode because there's so much solid gold in here that's going to impact your organic marketing and your paid marketing. You're going to love it. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you do not miss any of our future content. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Molly Pittman. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Molly Pittman. If you don't know who Molly is, she's a Facebook ad strategist and CEO of Smart Marketer. Her book is called Click Happy, Your Guide to a Meaningful Life and Career in the Digital Era. Her course is called Train My Traffic Person, and she's also co-host of the Smart Marketer podcast. Molly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, Mike. What's up? Hello, everybody. Happy to be back with the Social Media Examiner crew. Yeah, just excited to be here. Well, I'm super excited you're here today. Molly and I are going to explore a strategy that works with Facebook ads. Now, Molly, there's a lot of people listening right now who might not be focused as much on advertising on Facebook. Maybe they're doing more organic activities across the social platforms, and they're just not really focused on paid acquisition and specifically 
ads with Facebook, or maybe on the other side of things, they've been burned over the last year with Facebook, right? That things just haven't quite worked for them and they've decided that they're exiting stage left. So, you know, as we're recording this in late 2022 into 2023, what do you want to say to marketers as to why maybe they ought to refocus on Facebook advertising now? First, I will say I do think this year, 2022 and 2021, were absolutely the hardest years I've had yet as a paid advertiser. So this is me doing this 11-ish years now. It has been tough. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not here to say Facebook's awesome or Google's awesome. I'm just here as someone that cares about your businesses and the businesses you work for and wanting you to win. Now, that said, I will also say that you know, especially it's it's November, it's Black Friday, it's Cyber Monday time. And the businesses we're working with and our businesses are having some of the most profitable months, the biggest revenue months we have ever had. And a lot of that goes back to paid advertising. And we can thank paid advertising for that. So there's kind of two different things going on our ecosystem has changed, right? These platforms have changed in a big way. And this has not only changed the effectiveness of these platforms, but also how we track, you know, are the numbers we're looking at inside of Ads Manager even correct? You know, that's something that a lot of people are dealing with. And then on the other hand, we have so many advertisers that have exited the auction, big brands that are saying, I'm not gonna spend on these platforms anymore. And you know what? That is an opportunity for us. Ad costs have gone down year over year. The platform still works. The businesses we work with are still growing. And there's huge opportunity if you're willing to do it right. Well, and that's a great transition to my next question. A lot of people might still be doing it, quote unquote, wrong. So let's talk about some of the big mistakes that you're seeing marketers do when it comes to their Facebook ads. Yeah, I mean, one of them I just mentioned, bad tracking, bad understanding of data. Because what happened with the iOS updates in June of 2021, really May of 2021, one of the biggest issues with those updates is that we lost the ability to see what a lot of people are doing online, right? A lot of people opted out of tracking. So guess what? If they're opted out of tracking and they click on one of your Facebook ads and they purchase your product, Facebook cannot see that that will not show up as a purchase inside of the platform. And so a lot of people are seeing what we call the halo effect. They are seeing a growth in their business. They'll come to me, they'll say, Molly, I'm spending money on ads. Inside of Ads Manager, it doesn't look so great. But when I turn my ads on, Amazon sales go up 30%. When I turn them off, Amazon sales go down 30%, you know? Or same thing with my store or whatever it is that you sell. And so number one, there are ways to fix this. There are platforms that can allow us to get more visibility into the performance of our ads, but we also need to change our mindset around it. We need to be looking at our paid marketing more holistically. We need to be looking at money in, money out. We need to be looking at all channels blended together. And not that, I mean, you know that I'm a nerd about this stuff, Mike. This doesn't mean that I'm not still going into Ads Manager or a software to see which ad is performing the best, right? Like this is still direct response. But a big mistake is a lot of people are logging into Ads Manager. They don't see the ROAS that they expect. They don't see the purchases they expect. And then they abandon the platform altogether. 
So you mentioned there are tools that allow you to have more visibility. And I know someone listening said, don't let Molly not mention what that tool is or those tools are. So what are the tools that you use that help you see that visibility? Yeah, there are a few we recommend. One is triple whale, like the animal. (laughs) Triple whale. Another is North Beam. That's if you're maybe a bit bigger of a business. And we also have a platform called Wicked Reports, which some of you have probably heard of before. What do these do? So these essentially aggregate and present data and try to find correlations of what's going on in terms of, okay, since these platforms can not only see inside the back end of Facebook ads, they can also see in the back end of your Shopify platform or whatever CRM you're using. And they're trying to figure out what is actually happening. What is the actual return on on your ads? You know, which audiences are working? So it's a data, it's an insight tool that's trying to help you paint this bigger picture. Now, I will say you can do this manually. I think my business partner, John Grimshaw, has been on this show before to talk data. And, you know, John builds these for us manually and good old Google Analytics. (laughs) So you don't have to have a fancy tool, but they can help. And then, Mike, I just want to add on one piece to this that I kind of left off. It's not just the tracking, but you guys think about not only the fact that we cannot see what is true in the platform any longer. Think about how that is affecting the performance of your campaigns from an algorithm standpoint. It's not just us that can't see. Facebook also cannot see. So if Facebook loses, let's say, 30 to 40 percent of their data, probably more, essentially overnight, and you're telling Facebook, hey, I want you to go find buyers. I want purchases. I want people to buy my stuff. And they have all of this data to aggregate and use about who that person is and you know why they purchased. Well, now they've lost a lot of that data. That also makes the platform not as powerful. And that's why it's good for people like us that are good marketers. And the whole conversation we're going to have today presenting a much bigger opportunity because the lazy marketers, let's say, I mean that with love, it's not working anymore, right? You can't just say, hey, Facebook, here's my product. Go find buyers for me. You actually have to craft a good offer. You have to craft a solid marketing campaign and and know what you're doing. One of the things that you and I talked about when we were preparing for the show was ads that look like ads is a mistake. So talk a little bit about what that means exactly. I was just having this conversation with a student. Big mistake that people make. We sit down, we build ads, and we put our marketer's hat on. And then all we're doing is screaming about our product, right? It's the best. It's the highest quality. It's cheaper than the other products. These are social platforms. We actually have to get someone to stop and resonate with us emotionally through a story, through logic, through information, through education. There are so many ways to do it, but these are not platforms that are just virtual billboards, right? (laughs) They're not there to just say, hey, my product exists and you should buy it. You actually have to resonate with people. So that's a big mistake that, I mean, this has been going on for years, but it's the ads that don't look like ads. They have the highest click-through rate. They generate the most purchases. The student I was just working with is selling dishware and silverware, which is tough. I mean, in most people's mind, that is a commodity item. That is something you could go to Target or Walmart right now and fulfill that need. And I was explaining to her this concept and saying, 
this is more important for you than it is for anybody else. Because if you can connect with them, if you can tell a story and not sound like an ad, they're buying the dishware for that reason and that reason alone. So, you know, what we came up with was showing a family around the table over maybe a 10-year span, right? So from their first date to meeting the parents, to getting married, to having a kid, to having more kids, to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the only thing that stays the same in the room are the plates. That's right? cool. Because I like that. about the emotional relationship we have with stuff like our dinner plates. <laughs> and so she will win in that market because everyone else is like, this is made from whatever random thing and it's this price. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to keep scrolling. But when you're talking about someone's family and how it changes over the course of 10 years, I'm locked in for the story, right? The plates I'm just buying because I have that that emotional reaction to the ad. So that's what we're looking for. So the mistakes that I'm hearing you say are, first of all, bad tracking. And there's tools that we just talked about that can help solve that. In addition, ads that look like, quote unquote, ads that you might get in the newspaper, right? Or that you might see on television that are clearly feature benefit buy now kind of stuff, right? Those aren't working as well anymore. So if we know what some of the problems are, what I would love to hear from your perspective is what is your solution? What is your ad strategy that you recommend people consider? What's fun about this, Mike, is it's actually more than ads. (laughs) So we just discussed a little bit about what ads should look like, how they should feel. But back to that point about lazy marketing is, is not working on these platforms anymore. We have to actually craft an offer, an experience that people want to have. So the real key, the real opportunity in media buying right now is crafting a solid offer. It is the people, Mike. I promise you, I was just looking a few days ago at a student who has sold 130,000 units of this really cool product. The website looks like it is from 1996. I've not seen an uglier website in years. (laughs) But guess what? It's working because he crafted a solid offer. He knew what he was doing and people wanted it no matter, you know, it's like, People will go into a rundown looking restaurant if they know the food's good, (laughs) they will. So branding and marketing are great, but the ability to craft an offer is really where and has always been where the opportunity lies. So you've come up with a something you call the offer formula, right? I will say John Grimshaw came up with this, but this is a reflection of how we do marketing, really, right? Like this is how we do stuff at Smart Marketer. This is what all roads lead back to. So we're going to get into the steps of it in just a minute. But if you follow this offer formula, what are the outcomes? What are the benefits that someone could achieve? Craft marketing campaigns that work and that don't just work for a week or four weeks, but work for years and years to come. But also the ability to start winning on these ad platforms again, right? That's what this all comes down to. Yeah. And part of the reason you're winning is presumably others are not using this philosophy that we're going to teach you. And because you are, your ads are going to outbeat their ads and performance. Is that right? Exactly. So let's talk about the first part of the offer formula. Where do we need to start? Okay. So step one is desired action. (laughs) So that is what are you asking people to do? And this is a big mistake that I see a lot in terms of people asking for too much too early or people not understanding what is appropriate to ask of a certain audience 
depending on your business type. Does that make sense? A lot of us are, this is an age old analogy that Ryan Dice and Dan Kennedy and lots of people have been using, but they're asking for marriage on the first date and they're not understanding how the journey works. So desired action in terms of knowing what is appropriate to ask when based off of what we call the traffic temperature, you know, how warm or cold is someone in relation to your business. So that is the first part of the offer formula. Okay. So you said you want to craft a desired action based on the, what did you say? The traffic formula? Is that what you called it? The traffic temperature. So based off of, you know, thinking about the idea that every business has cold, warm, hot audiences or top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, you know, the simple three steps that most of us use and understanding based off of your business type or whatever business you're working on, what is appropriate to ask of someone based off of which bucket they're in. So let's talk about some different examples of different kinds of businesses and possible desired actions, just so people can wrap their head around this. Love it. So I'll break it into three different business types. One being information business, which I know a lot of you guys are listening, just like smart marketers. So we're selling information, but that could also include consulting, services, events, anything that's more of that bucket. Then, of course, you have e-com, selling physical products, and then let's lump software as a service and maybe even local business into one, if that that's okay. Perfect. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> do you feel like we covered everybody? Yeah, well, I mean, even if we're not covering you, hopefully you can get inspiration from these examples. So let's start with the information business example. Yeah, and I'm going to talk top of funnel in this episode, Mike, because that's what's most important, right? If we aren't generating new customers, the rest of it doesn't matter. <laughs> but most people are taking actions that we would actually request from someone who's middle of, or bottom of funnel, and they are asking that of someone who's never heard of them before, right? A top of funnel audience. And that is the mistake. So info, you were one of the first people to do this, Mike, the concept of a white paper, the concept of a lead magnet. If you are an information business, there is really no realm that you should be living in right now where you're doing anything top of funnel that isn't focused or goes back to lead generation. It, it's just so important. And these markets are getting more saturated. You need to build trust, right? You've got to build an email list. You've got to build an SMS list. We know this, but it's because I can sell you this phone, Mike, because I can tell you, look at this phone. I'll sell it to you, right? You know what it is. You can hold it in your hand. That's why I love e-commerce. <laughs> I love e-commerce because people understand and they can be sold something directly, top of funnel, directly sold. They can. But with info, it's really tough to do that. So the best offers that are working for us when it comes to info are old school lead magnets, you know, our templates, our formulas that help whichever market that we're serving. We have one client that sells these cool personal development journals for kids. And one of our best lead magnets is a kit that's called Words That Matter. And they're resources that you can use with your kid to teach them positive thinking, um, to teach them growth mindset. Well, that's amazing. We can get 40, 50 cent leads, give people a ton of value, open their mind to this concept, and then they want to buy our other products, whether they're info or physical, it, it doesn't matter because we led with that legion. And what's fun is even a lot of the e-com folks are getting more and more into legion because they're like, wow, 
this is an amazing way to build a list. This is an amazing way to build interest. And then I'll just monetize them later. So info, lead gen, all the way. It doesn't mean that you couldn't send traffic or ask people to read articles or watch videos or podcast episodes. That's fine. But 90, 95% of our top of funnel budget for that business type in 2022 going into 2023 should definitely be Legion. And Legion is still easy and fairly cheap to do on these platforms. And it's always worth it. You know, we're having our best sale right now that we've ever had. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, which you wouldn't think would work for an info business. But we're up 33% on last year in a recession because we did a ton of Legion this year. So 46% of people that are buying during this sale are brand new customers. They've just been lurking, you know? Mike, you have so many lurkers around your brand in a good way. And then you're like, come to my event. And they do. (laughs) So this is really important for anybody who's selling any knowledge, information, events, whatever, right? Like Molly's saying, look, generate the leads all year long. And then when you have the sale, like if you might've just had, you know, in hindsight with Black Friday or whatever, that's when the revenue is going to come in, right? Because you're you're generating that lead, you're nurturing them with information. And then ultimately when you're ready to sell them. So let's talk about e-com and SaaS businesses. Yeah. So e-commerce, like we mentioned, this is where you can get away with, I don't know why we call it this, but at Smart Marketer in our courses, the strategy is called the butter chicken, <laughs> Ezra names this. And it simply means sending traffic directly to a product page. So if you're selling physical products and you are willing to run ads that don't look like ads, like we discussed, you can and should send most of your top of funnel traffic directly to a product page to make the sale. Simple, easy. That's really all I got to (laughs) say. Okay. There are other strategies that we get into later, but especially if you're just starting, it's just, it's too easy. Later, you can graduate to pre-sell articles or more complicated sales pages or lead gen, but you don't have to, which is nice. And then let's talk about local businesses slash software service businesses. Yeah. So a lot of people like to use trials. You see this, right? All the time. Hey, I'm a SaaS. Sign up for my 14-day trial or my dollar trial. I see that in my newsfeed all the time. People selling you know, business marketing tools. And that's what they're leading with. And it's so sad because people are not ready to jump in. I'm like, I don't even know what you are or what you do. You know what? A good example of this is a student of mine right now has a SaaS that helps people that stream and do video games and make money. That's a whole world I don't understand, but mad respect to them. And he came to me. He's like, Molly, this isn't working because he was doing the butter chicken. He was sending traffic cold traffic directly to his signup page, you know, for his monthly subscription. Like, buddy, just add Legion on, like we discussed earlier. So he took one of his best YouTube videos that had like hundreds of thousands of views that people already liked about how to make money streaming because that's where people were going when they were in the beginning of this journey. Now he's gating that as a lead magnet. Now he's generating leads. People are learning from him, right? They're understanding the potential. Now they're ready to buy the software. So it's Legion, but usually in a little bit longer of a sales cycle than you have when you're selling information products. Okay, folks, you just heard it from Molly Pittman, who helps lots of different businesses, including businesses that Ezra owns, right? And you've got e-commerce businesses, you've got 
SaaS businesses and you've got information businesses, right? So for info related stuff, the best thing you can do with ads is generate a lead. With e-com, it's called butter chicken, which is you can direct sale. And with SaaS, it's trials. And this is really important because so many of us are doing the butter chicken across the board. And that's the problem, isn't it? Yep, exactly. So let's explore the second step of your four-step process here, the offer formula. Yeah. So the second is relevance. So this is the who, right? So the, the first desired action is what are you asking them to do? That's simple. When you go make your call to action, what are you, what are you trying to sell them on? Where is it going? Now, when we speak relevance, this is about who. So who is this offer for? So important. Most of us skip this step where we think, oh, it's for marketers. It's for business owners or, oh, it's for women over the age of 50. And it's like, oh, we've got to, in this day and age, get more laser focused on the who. Because when you do, it makes it so much easier to target those people on Facebook than if it's just a broad audience. So the clients that we work with that have a specific avatar or have multiple avatars and they really know who this is for, they're winning. And the ones that are like, well, this could work for anyone. Well, that might not cut it going into or it can work for everyone. But if you're not willing to slice and dice it and break it into different avatars, it's going to be tough. So relevance is all about who is this offer for? Give us an example of who you target at Smart Marketer. Like who is that? Just so we can kind of see how granular you go with your who. Yeah. So with Smart Marketer, of course, it depends on the offer that we're building, but it usually sounds something like this. This is a person in their marketing career or business career that's looking to learn. Or this is a person that owns an eight-figure business who is looking to prepare to sell the business. Or this is an agency owner who is building or looking to build a marketing agency. Or this is a freelancer who's just looking to get their first clients. Those are very different people that orbit in the same ecosystem. And it doesn't sound exceptionally complex. I was expecting you to say who are in North America, who work for a business of this size, all that kind of stuff. You don't need to get that granular is what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct? Well, and I think when you're thinking about these paid social platforms, we are past the demographics really even being useful because those are over-targeted. They're not always even correct. So when we speak about people, we say, this person likes this. This person is looking for this outcome, not really this person is this age or this person makes this much money. Not that that's not important and that it shouldn't be a part of the avatar picture in your brain. But specifically for paid ads, we're looking more at their, because think about on social media, what are you leaving a trace of that you're being targeted by? It's literally what you like. (laughs) It's what you search. You're not really telling Facebook, hey, I make, you know, X amount of money a year. You're saying, hey, I went and visited this pet store last week. And so we should be thinking in this, this realm of our people in that way. So what can we learn about targeting then as a result of all this? Well, targeting, especially interest targeting, is more important than it's ever been on the platform because now that Facebook isn't as smart, it needs to be pointed in a more specific direction. So we're going back to the intense Facebook targeting research that I think I've talked about on the show even, that we're going back to to just ensure that we are finding every place that this person could possibly be hanging out on the platform. You want to give an example? Yeah, of course. So like 
one of our clients is targeting moms and, you know, more so the, let's say, 7 to 13 age. But we're not even using the parents age group targeting in there because it's so overused. We're coming up with interest ideas. So we're targeting clothing companies that are making clothes of kids that age. We're targeting bloggers or different organizations, parent-teacher association, right? We're targeting any books that that person might be reading about parenting, magazines, TV shows. So I have a whole checklist I can send you that I think is like 26 questions that we use that I'm happy to just give you guys the PDF. And not all of them relate to each avatar, but they take us through this process, you know? And what is specifically unique about this group of people? Love that. And if you want to, at the end, we can cross-link that into the show notes. Okay, so we've talked so far about the first step is the desired action that you want you want as the business, right? What do you want the prospect to take? The second thing we talked about is relevance, which is really who are you trying to reach and what type of targeting should we use to reach them? What is the third step in this process? Okay, so this is reason to act now. So a lot of us do this wonderful marketing, right? We have this great product or service. We create the right desired action. We know exactly who we want to put it in front of. And then we're not very directive of this person, right? (laughs) Or we're not using things like scarcity to our benefit. And there are many ways that you can do this. One of my favorite that we're doing right now, and this is in e-com and info, is we have a separate landing page or sales page that says Facebook and Instagram only price. And we literally put on there, search the internet right now. Go search every page of this website. Like we're funny about it. You know, you will not find this price anywhere else. It only exists. If you hit the back button on this, Like you won't go find a lower price. And that's working amazing because it's a reason to act now. Of course, lots of people add things like bonuses. You know, one of our highest tier clients, he has a free book funnel that's super successful and it comes with some bonuses that you only get if you act now. So this is a simple one that most marketers know know that they need to do and they know how to do it. But I think when we look at our own stuff, sometimes we forget, right? And it's like, man, you crafted a compelling offer, but why should I not wait until next week? You know, why should I not wait until uh, next month? Think about how busy our worlds are. I mean, I could be looking at your sales page on my phone and my mom calls and then I'm lost, you know? Right, right, right. Why, Why should you hold my attention now? That is what's missing from most direct response marketing. I love talking about scarcity because it's such a fascinating concept, right? I mean, we know that when there's a sale going on and we're recording this the day after Cyber Monday, right? So we're talking about ultimate scarcity, right? Like Cyber Monday and Black Friday are the perfect, they're probably the days of the year where scarcity is most at play in the world of marketing, right? And when we think about scarcity in this capacity, we're thinking about a sale that ends on a specific date. But Where it gets a little trickier is how in the world do we develop this scarcity in our Facebook ads? You talked about, for example, Instagram and Facebook only pricing. So I get that. And you talked about bonuses, but help marketers understand how they can get creative with different types of scarcity somehow, some way in their ads, because I think it's not going to be easy for a lot of marketers knowing full well that someone could come in from these ads at any moment in time. So how do you develop that scarcity? 
Yeah, I mean, with e-commerce, it could be a limited stock that is truthful, right? For information, a way that we create scarcity at Smart Marketer is we teach most of our classes live, our most expensive classes. We call them mentorships. Each of them are taught twice a year live. Well, that gives built-in scarcity. I never have to discount that thing in those launches because the scarcity is class starts next Thursday. (laughs) There's no way around that. So a lot of times you can use seasonal events too or things like that to really help you add scarcity. But a lot of times it's bonuses. It's creating separate landing pages like we talked about with different pricing. You can add free gifts that are just always available that you probably have on your virtual shelf, you know, add that lead magnet that you never put out into the world as a bonus if they act now. It's just psychologically a reason to take the action. What about using tools like Deadline Funnel? I don't know if you've used Deadline Funnel or know how that works. Does that stuff work with ads or not? Yeah, it does. I think I have a I don't know, morally, I'm conflicted because I see how well it works, but then it also feels not authentic to me. So we decided to quit. No judgment to anyone that does that either. We just decided to to step away from that and use more of the strategies we're discussing now that are true and still evergreen. Yeah. And when it comes to things like deadline funnel, I have no issue using them in email campaigns that are triggered based on someone coming into a sequence. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. And then having that limited sale be only available to them for a very short period of time because you've got that follow up. We do that. That follow up kind but of thing. We don't put it on our landing pages for ads. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is the best kind of scarcity could even just be an exclusive landing page just for Facebook, for example, a discounted price that's cheaper than what the alternative is if they went and they looked inside your store. Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. Or put a bonus or two that are only available on those pages. So if you don't want a discount, that's okay. But just add something special that if they went to your website, it wouldn't be there. I would imagine you've got to put language on there that says exclusive Facebook only bonus. Oh, yeah. That it's not we available. make it funny. And like I said, how do you do that? Yeah. How do you do that? Go search for it, right? Go search for it on our website. Go Google it. We swear you will not find another page with this offer on it. And it's true. And then we know index that page so they can literally only get to it from, you know, that experience. I love this. Hopefully people are getting some creative ideas. So the first step again, and you got more, yeah, two more quick ones that we're using right now. You can always have a giveaway going that they're entered into if they land on that page. So right now we're using one where if you buy through this certain page, you get entered to win a consultation with me or Ezra and some other products. People love that. So it's a reason to act now. The bonus that we're using right now are some recordings from Ezra's Live Mastermind, which people really want. So just to give you some more examples, it's just extra stuff that isn't a lot of work on our part, but it just makes the offer a bit more attractive and timely. You know, there's plenty of marketers right now that want me to ask this question in general. Bonuses, you know, in the past, they used to be a really big deal. I remember these sales pages and you know what I'm talking about, like where the the bonuses are like worth more than the product and it's just bonus after bonus after bonus after bonus. Does it really work? I would imagine in e-commerce, if you get a, you buy this, you get an extra one or something, I could understand that working. But what about for software and also for, you know, local businesses and or information products? Do the bonuses really move the needle? Have you tested this stuff? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I think people are tired of the, okay, there are 12 bonuses and it's an $8,000 value. It just is so cheesy. For only $97, right? Yeah. It just, the bonus needs to be perceived as high value and an add-on benefit for that person. So actually with e-com, what we're doing is let's say you add a physical product or you're, you're looking to buy a physical product. A bonus could be a virtual ebook or some sort of tool that's going to also help them say they're buying something in the fitness market, a physical product. Well, this could be information that will also help them achieve that goal. Like a course, right? Like a free course. Exactly. We're adding an info element to do lead gen, but also for these reasons. Now for info, I actually see the opposite, not that we send physical gifts, but the more that the bonus can feel like a tool. So for example, a bonus that we gave in one of our last launches was the checklists and SOPs that we use in our new agency. It's still virtual. You still can't touch it, but see, it feels like a tool. It's something you can use or giving a template or giving a spreadsheet, something that you don't have to send in the mail, but still has perceived value that goes along with the overall goal of whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. If you are actually using this to generate leads, your Facebook ads, do you feel like a bonus if you're already giving away something for free is necessary because the free thing is like you're giving away a course or an ebook? Oh, no. I don't think you need to do that when you're doing Legion because you just want the focus on that. But when you're trying to sell, it's a great way to add scarcity. But I don't always see it work where you're trying to sell information and then you just add more information as the bonuses. It's too redundant. It's like, oh my goodness, I have enough to go through already. <laughs> That's a lot. Okay, so the first step is desired action. The second step is relevance to your audience. The third step is reason to act, aka scarcity. Uh, what's the fourth step in this process that we've been talking about? So the fourth is probably the most important. So we've saved the best for the last. And this is transformation. And we've really been discussing this the whole time. But what truly is the transformation you are providing for someone? If you don't have that, it's going to be hard to sell it. It just truly is. So no matter what the product is, how are you getting someone from point A to point B? Even if your product feels like the most meaningless thing in the world. I guarantee you, if you sit down and think about it, there is a way to do this. And I recommend you guys looking up something called the value pyramid. It's a resource that Business Insider posted a few years ago. And this pyramid is something that I use and I look at and I research to try to come up with these transformation ideas. Because it's based off of the hierarchy of needs, Michael, but it helps you as a marketer say, oh, am I just at the, the bottom of the pyramid talking about price? Because that's not a transformation, right? You being cheaper, that's not a transformation. You being the best quality, that's not a transformation. You saving someone five minutes a day because your toothbrush is a new technology, that's a transformation, right? You removing stress from someone's life because their business is finally succeeding that's a transformation. You know, you showing the course of someone's life around a table, like we talked about, that's nostalgia, that's emotion, right? That is a transformation someone can have inside. So the more we dig into these transformations and speak to them and tell them through stories, the better 
all of this will work because it's it's how we work as humans, right? We inherently want to do what's best for us and others, I believe. <laughs> but if you tell me that I'm going to reach XYZ transformation, I'm probably going to buy that product no matter what it is. So an important distinction in the last step, we were just talking about a reason to act. It seemed as if we were actually assuming they've already reached the destination page, right? Or am I wrong? Is everything we talked about in that last section actually in the ad or is it on the destination page? Because these transformational concepts that we're talking about, do they happen in the ad or do they happen on the destination page? Do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah, all of them can happen everywhere. It just kind of depends on the ad style that you're using, right? So you could mention the reason to act now in the ad. You could wait and mention that on the page. But for transformation, this is just marketing 101. This should be ever present in everything that you're doing, because what it does is it allows you to speak to something bigger than your product or service. It allows you to communicate to people what they're actually buying, right? Because if they're buying the transformation, then it's not about the price. It's not about the quality. Those are all secondary things that they're thinking about. They are bought in because they want to solve that problem or they want that transformation that that person had. And there's nothing more powerful than that. Talk to me about hooks, because you said that there's these top three hooks that you use that are somehow tied to the transformation stage. Maybe you could help explain these a little bit. Yeah. And the way that I look at hooks are hooks are just simply reasons that someone is going to act in terms of the transformation. Right. How can we speak to that? Like what, what are different ways we can speak to the transformation? So right now, and this has been the case for a while telling stories, as I've been mentioning, right? Telling stories, whether it's you as your brand telling stories about customers, whether this is you using long stories that maybe people have given you through testimonials that you've transcribed or, you know, you've condensed their written word. It doesn't matter. It is telling a story. There's nothing more powerful, right? We sell stuff when I talk about our students. Today, we just launched a blog post that's from a client and it's all, it's him. It's him teaching our audience and explaining the journey that he's had with entrepreneurship the last three years. But guess what? It's really selling a transformation. Hey, I just started this business three years ago. Now I'm doing $6 million. You know, if you want that transformation, you should work with Molly. But I'm just telling his story. I'm not saying I'm good. We're good. We're the best agency. I'm just saying, hey, read this story. Listen to this story. That's what people resonate with. So telling a story, the most powerful hook, it probably will always be. Second is just straight pain benefit. What is the problem that they have? How are you going to solve it? Especially if you solve a problem that a lot of other businesses don't. This is great because you can cut straight to the chase. You know, hey, are you looking to save time? Use this solution. Hey, are you stressed? Use this solution. Whatever they're dealing with, whatever the before state is and the after state, just directly speaking to it. This doesn't work for everybody. By the way, this is the way that I do most of my marketing, right? Like you could start with a pain or desired outcome and then the benefit, right? Like, um, hey, are you struggling to get recognition in the office, right? Are you looking for new techniques so that you can become a more successful marketer? You know, something along those lines, right? And then I will follow through with, you know, 
if you can convince your boss to send you to San Diego, you can come back smarter and you'll probably get a raise and dot, 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 right? And then I could sew a story in there about one of the marketers who had the same problems you did and attended social media marketing world, right? Something along those lines, right? So you could kind of, you could kind of use them both, if you will, right? Yeah. Now they're not buying the ticket because of the conference. They're buying the ticket because they want to raise. They want to have better performance. They want to have fun. Right. Right. Now, this is how we get out of competing in price land. We don't want to be doing that. Right. At all. Yeah. The third one. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. My third one is logic. We use this a lot. So especially in markets where people are problem unaware We will use logic to explain to them why they have a problem that needs to be solved. And this is fun and a super scalable hook. (laughs) And a good example of this is a client array. It's spelled A-R-R-A-E. This is a supplement brand. They are the ones that I was just speaking about that started this business a couple years ago and they've just blown up and it's because of their marketing. And if you go to their website and you go to their product called Sleep, this is a product that helps women sleep better. Well, that sounds kind of generic. I mean, why wouldn't I just walk and buy NyQuil at CVS? Not that that's the best solution, but right. Think about how many other solutions there are to sleep. But if you look at that sales page, we have used logic to sell the product. And so we're using hooks like, and I hope I get these stats correct, but you guys can look on your own. Women are 40% more likely to have problems sleeping than males. And women are the ones that rule the world and have so many responsibilities. And if we want the world to be a better place, women need to sleep better, right? That's logic. That is using logic to create a problem, even if you didn't know you had it, or to speak to someone that's more logic-brained. On that page, we also explain the circadian rhythm. So we are explaining why they're having the sleep problem from a scientific standpoint, and then how the product solves that problem. So I love using logic. One more quick example of this is, I don't know this brand, and I can't remember the name, but this was an ad I saw six months ago. And it was someone, it was a guy laying his head on a toilet seat. And the ad said, and I'm going to get this stat wrong too, but something to the effect of, did you know that after seven days sleeping on your sheets, your sheets are dirtier than your toilet seat? A whole bunch of people are like, I need to wash my sheets. (laughs) Well, they were selling you on these sheets that are crafted in a certain way that are somehow cleaner, antibacterial, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But they caught me with logic, right? I did not have that problem. I do wash my sheets every week. But it made me want to buy their product because now, logically, I become aware of this problem that my sheets are dirtier than I think they are, right? No matter how many times I wash them. Yeah, logic is the the last hook that, that we love to use. You know, and so many people right now are like thinking creatively about so many applications for this. This doesn't just have to be in Facebook ads. It can be in emails. It can be in your your sales pages. It could be in everything, right? Like, Oh my gosh, like I've just made all these notes while we were talking, Molly, and there's so much more that I'm like going to have my team listen to this because I'm like, yeah, we need to do more of this. Yeah. And Mike, really quick, how this looks is, so Nish, who started Array, we had a phone call for about 90 minutes and we talked about that sleep product and we came up with all the hooks. We came up with the transformation. Then his team went and put those on the sales page. We ran the ads. It was in the email. But the core message was just a strategic, I'm Googling. I'm like, 
there's a sleep epidemic. Let me Google and find, you can find a stat for anything that's true, right? I mean, we made this into something it wasn't, even though it's truly helpful. And that is communicated through all marketing channels. Molly, this has been solid gold. If people want to discover more about you, where do you want to send them? And if you have a preferred social platform that they reach out to you on as well, where do you want to send them? Yeah, smartmarketer.com and Instagram is my favorite. So at Molly Pittman Digital, I also run a dog rescue. So my Instagram is like 30% business and 70% dogs. (laughs) So (laughs) just a forewarning. And if you like dogs, you'll you'll probably love it. (laughs) Molly. But thanks for having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks again. Really appreciate you. We'll see you at Social Media Marketing World. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 543. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.